Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And Robin Robbo. Streaming across the globe, Ben Norris, Rob McKnight, and David Robinson. Ben Robin Robbo. Welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. Here's Rob McKnight. Hello and welcome to the Ben Robin Robbo Show. There is plenty to discuss today. Uh, it's a big day and as far as coronavirus developments are concerned. So we want to bring you up to speed with the very latest developments before we bring in the boys. So before we get into our hot button issues and catch up with Ben and Robbo, let's bring you up to speed with the latest developments on the COVID-19 front. And we begin in Queensland where... There have been no new cases overnight, but three men have been accused of lying on their declaration form. The men from Logan are now in quarantine and one is apparently showing signs of coronavirus. It's put the people of Logan at further risk after the Melbourne-Logan cluster that was revealed last week. Here's the police commissioner talking about the situation this morning. Um, It's really, really disappointing that given where Victoria is at the moment and we all know what's happening there, that people in our community are still telling lies and deliberately trying to mislead the system so they can get back into our state. Um, The fact that they have been in Victoria is something of grave concern to all of our community. What we really need people to do is to disclose that. The worst that can happen is they have to go into quarantine for 14 days. They don't get in prison, they don't get fined with anything. But what they're doing by telling lies deliberately is having themselves charged with criminal offences and now having to front court down the track and then answer for their actions in a court of law. That, to me, seems to be very uh, unacceptable behaviour. And there's been an update on the consular official who was tested positive to COVID-19 but was allowed to travel. Anastasia Palaget wants to close the consular exemption loophole that allows people with a diplomatic passport being taken being granted a blanket exception. Meanwhile, in South Australia, two new cases have been recorded overnight. Authorities have described the new cluster as really concerning. New restrictions will come into force from midnight tonight, which will include limiting home gatherings to 10 people, and that's down from 50. Patrons can only drink alcohol in licensed premises while seated. Moving forward, and authorities are investigating reducing density in bars to only one patron per two square metres. And AFL crowds are to be slashed by half, reducing the number to 10,000 fans. In New South Wales, there have been 12 new cases overnight, bringing the state's total to 3,620. Two schools have been closed after students tested positive. Opposition leader Jodie Mackay has called for all travellers from Melbourne to be forced into quarantine for 14 days. Currently, people are asked to self-isolate but are still allowed to catch taxis and Ubers. 
Now to the big one. Melbourne, there have been 439 new cases overnight and 11 deaths. Those who have passed ranged in age over their, from their 70s to one person over 100. 800 people meant to be self-isolating at home couldn't be found when ADF personnel door-knocked their house. More than 6,000 spot checks have been carried out over the past 24 hours and 161 fines have been issued for breaches of restrictions. The police commissioner has called out to the Tims and Karens of the world and warned them their bad behaviour will no longer be tolerated. Fines will be issued and arrests made. He went on to detail an incident which took place last night. Last night, a 26-year-old policewoman was on patrol with another partner uh, down in a Frankston area near the Bayside Shopping Centre. During that time, they approached a 38-year-old woman who wasn't wearing a mask. After a confrontation and being assaulted by that woman, those police officers went to ground and there was a scuffle. And during that scuffle, this 38-year-old woman um, hit the head, smashed the head of the policewoman several times into a concrete area on the ground. That behaviour is just totally unacceptable. That's someone who thinks they're above the law, they're not wearing a mask, they're approached and they're asked their reason why not, and then to react like that is just completely over the top. It's this type of irresponsible behaviour that we're going to address. That woman was taken back to the police station, she was charged with significant offences and bailed due to no criminal history. But nonetheless, it just goes to show how these things escalate from non-adherence to the smallest things. And as you can see by our countdown clock as we go to live, go to air live at one o'clock on this Tuesday, there are 40 days, four hours and 55 minutes until the stage four restrictions are brought to an end. Unless, of course, we end up going to stage five in Melbourne if people don't do the right thing and they currently are not doing the right thing. But you know what? As speaking of anti-maskers, I want to take a moment to show how the US news networks are covering this very serious issue on the mask debate. And as you know, Americans do pronounce things a little different to us. This morning, as COVID cases mount across the country, the mass debate is intensifying. People are very passionate on both sides of the great mass debate. The partisan mass debate is heating up. <laughs> mass debate is growing. The president is trying to have us cover the mass debate. CBS, Target and Walgreens are getting in on the mass debate. The mass debate now taking center stage at local <laughs> restaurants. Are they not hearing themselves? Now, there's new video of a raging mass debate. The mass debate in Georgia is getting ugly. The great mass debate oh, in West Virginia might soon be coming to an end. This mass debate oh. is far from over. How many mass debates have you gotten into? Love to hear Stop it. Stop saying mass debate. Let's get into a whole nother level. <laughs> David Zubik Just tells please. For, he found himself in the middle of a mass debate. And we'll dive deeper into this pet store mass debate. We've all been so there. We're going to begin with this thing we're calling the great mass debate. <laughs> ben and Robbo, I thought that was the perfect point to bring you guys in. Um, it's interesting to see that Americans don't pronounce the K in mask. The mm. mask debate, they say masturbate. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. They just don't feel to like, my sense of humour. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I just can't understand that maybe once or twice you'd say it and then surely when you'd watch something back or hear someone else say it, you'd go, uh, we really need to kind of pronunciate and enunciate <laughs> those words properly. Uh, but I'm all, I'm all for uh, the great masturbate. Mask. Yes, uh, Ben, uh, welcome to your Ben Robin Robbo show, Benjamin. And I just thought we needed a laugh with so much bad news. I just thought I've delivered like six minutes worth of bad news there uh, as we went around the grounds for coronavirus. I just felt we needed a bit of a laugh, didn't we? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was late to the show because I was masturbating. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> masturbating. Like, you were masturbating. I was, masturbating. No, I, was, I was having a masturbate. I mean, oh, God. Anyway, um, I was having some kind of a debate uh, in the other room, but I'm here now and I'm very excited. Yeah, look, um, to, to swivel back to serious because we're about to do our hot-button topics, um, it was interesting to hear during that press conference this morning from, or just an hour or so ago from uh, Victorian police, how, you know, people who have never had a criminal history are now attacking police because they're, the police are doing their job and asking people to pull over and show identification and they're resisting arrest. Uh, ben, this is really getting out of control, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there was just a couple of days ago I was reading on a couple of forums about, you know, rioting and what's going to happen in Victoria after Stage 4 gets put into place. And in this forum, I was kind of taken aback because there was a prediction about really bad behaviour from people who may not have ever committed crimes before because people in Victoria obviously are being put into really dire situations and the mental yeah. effect that it would be having on people. Now, I think this is a really good opportunity for them to really highlight how bad that situation was and probably make a, uh, an example out of her because this could just be the start of something. I mean, I can already tell you from just even my own standpoint that I've noticed people in Victoria only over the last 24 hours taking a really significant change when it came to their sort of emotional and, you know, the ability to rationalise things. Like, it's just... It's, what do you mean by that, mate? Escalating. Well, you know, from what I've been able to see in the supermarkets, I've noticed people getting a little bit more aggressive. Uh, the general mood, you know, just out and about... Uh, has been really quite strange as well. And I, I can honestly tell you from my own point of view, I've all of a sudden just felt like this weight had been put on, to on top of me and my coping mechanisms are a little bit delayed, like I'm not as quick to be able to, to cope. So if that's what's happening to me, then I can imagine, you know, people in situations that are much worse off than I am are feeling, you know, in a really bad place. Yeah. Robert, does it show that our society is really just hanging by a thread? We think we're civilised, but, you know, as soon as there's a few less toilet rolls in the supermarket, we sort of become animals. Well, I think it comes down to communication, Rob. I think that for the whole time that we've been dealing with this pandemic and the lockdowns and everything from federal to state to local government, the messaging have, have always been, has always been uh, very muddled and, and very muddy and, and everyone's very confused. There's a thing about humans. They need to feel comfortable and they need to feel in control in some way. I've watched quite a few uh, videos and read some articles about the fact of why did people panic buy toilet paper? Now, they can't they can't control other things, especially now, but that was one thing that they could control. And when you think about it, mm. toilet paper is a very personal issue. Now, you can go for a couple of days without some perfume or, you know, a couple of days without some wine or whatever. But it, when <laughs> really you think rubbish? about it, toilet paper, toilet paper is one of those things that you just can't and you want to control that. So I don't know that society is hanging by a thread. I don't think that. There's always going to be some bad apples in the bunch. But if you look overall, the friends I've spoken to in Melbourne are saying, you know, people are wearing the mask on the whole, uh, you know, people want to do the right thing. Uh, so I don't think the society is hanging by a thread, no. Okay, well, that's interesting. Well, maybe they're hanging by a ply, a ply of toilet paper. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they are. Very good, Benny. Very, I'll very pay good. that one. All right. Uh, it, look, it's just interesting that, um, you know, people live in war zones and, and, you know, don't have food, but at the moment of people are asked to stay inside, they just go cray-cray. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's yeah. A, just yeah. a very interesting psychological thing. But I do worry about the mental health of a lot of people, Ben, as you quite rightly say. There, um, yeah. there are people struggling. And don't forget, you can reach out to Beyond Blue or Lifeline. There are many organisations out there that can help you through this time. Please reach out. All right, let's move on. And there's growing debate over whether the two women who lied to cross the Queensland border should have been identified. In fact, some are calling their identification racist. Last week, Robbo questioned why these women had been identified, but not others who had done the wrong thing. And it's an issue the ABC's Media Watch spoke about last night. Let's take a look. But others believe the brutal media shaming does more harm than good. As former LNP politician Ewan Jones told The Drum... There's just so much downside to putting their photos in the paper. Uh, there's just so much downside. What happens, what's the Korean male going to do if they're walking on the street and someone backhands them or someone spits on them or they find out where they lived and the, their family is abused? And there's, there's so much downside to this. And Queensland's Human Rights Commissioner was also voicing concern. Already we have seen comments to deport them, send them back to where they come from and worse alongside appallingly hyperbolic coverage from some media outlets, branding them with terms usually reserved for people accused of treason and other high-level crimes. Sure, these women were stupid. Sure, they are culpable. But does the media need to lynch them and thereby encourage others to do so? Answer, no, it does not. Robbo, the program pointed out there's been a lot of racism thrown at these young girls. Do you think the reporting of this case is racist? Look, complex issue here, I think. You know what? I, I was thinking about this. Yes, I think there's probably an element of that, knowing the Murdoch press and knowing, you know, most mainstream media here. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a fun story to latch on to, right? And I mean fun in, in inverted commas. Um, the other thing, though, is I reckon if these girls were white but looked the same, had the big lips, uh, bleach blonde hair, I, I almost think that they would also still be getting the same amount of coverage because exactly. then you'd go down the dumb, not... the dumb blonde kind of... Yeah, the dumb blonde kind of thing. Or if it was a really ochre Aussie bloke with a mullet and wearing a singlet, I think you'd also get the coverage. Um, I do think that it's possibly more because they are women. I really do think that's, that's an angle. And I also do think that it's because of the way they look, I think, more than what the colour of their skin is. That's what I'm kind of leading Completely towards. agree. Uh, look, there's no doubt there's been a racist backlash to them from members mm, of the public, yeah. um, uh, you know, talking on social media. So I fully accept that. But to suggest that the commentary from people in the media was basing this on racism is so beyond the pale to me. Um, a, a friend of mine pointed out to me that I appeared racist when I talked about these ladies the other week uh, because I said they look like the type that would do it. That wasn't based on race. That was based on their attitude and the way they came across in those photos with the Botox slips and, you know, um, they just yeah. looked like they didn't give a care in the world about anyone else. And I would make that, a, 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 that sum, sum, I would summarise that based on if it was a white woman. I didn't so, even care about the race. I was looking at those women thinking, yes, you do absolutely think you're above. And I actually said, you think daddy's just going to pay for this. I don't even know if they're rich or poor, but they've, they've tried to certainly look like they're rich with the lips and everything like that and insta-famous. And they just look like arrogant schmucks. And they yes. lied on their declaration. But yes. But I, I, wanna, I agree with all of what you've just said, but I, I also want to go back as well as let's play 
um, even Stevens across all of this. So let's name the security guard who had sex with the people. Let's name those guys that uh, went across. Especially let's name the rich couple in Melbourne that went to Aspen and then ignored everything. Yep. Um, the age certainly didn't name them. So yeah, we either do it for all and, or do it for no. You know what? Sometimes these decisions are made because the people will look at it and go, well, they've got money. They could. They will are a potential yeah. to sue us. Yeah. Whereas papers and media will often pick on those in poorer suburbs because the chances of them or the risk of them suing Correct. is very low because a defamation yeah. action is very expensive and you, you need about $100,000 for any kind of defamation case. So the newspapers know this. So obviously the people that they were looking at naming, they didn't because of their financial circumstances. And, that, and when we hear about wanting to change the defamation laws, it blows my mind. I'm on the per- right. I'm on the, I will fight for everyone. You don't have the right to just... Um, Criticise people for the sake of it. You you want to do it? You be, better be able to prove it. And it should be mm. easier for people to sue for defamation, not harder. But anyway, Ben, what I want to say is that I absolutely agree with Robbo. Everyone who does the wrong thing should be named and shamed and given a forty thousand dollar fine. Let's let's not just make this a four thousand dollar fine. If you lie on a declaration form, which is an oath. $40,000. That will make people think twice and have it be... If you lie on this form, you will be fined $40,000. Then let's see if people continue to flout the law. Yeah, but, I mean, we all work in the media, so we know how this works. When it comes to reporting a story, it's very quick that uh, they go, oh, it's a mother out of wedlock. Oh, she's coloured. Oh, she's poor. Oh, this is a great story. I mean, we've watched that happen, surely. I mean, I'm... I'm not speaking out of school when I say that I've heard that happen in newsrooms. I mean, when it comes to sensationalising a story, you know, it's very easy to do in this particular circumstance, which I no doubt is think is one of the reasons why this story took off. But you can't necessarily always blame the media. I mean, the reason why this is water cooler talk is because it's easy to add all of those extensions that, Rob, you just added on. You're like, yeah. oh, you know, daddy's going to pay or the lips and all of this sort of stuff. Like, it's an easy story for people to stand around in the water cooler and have a few comments on, and more so than if it probably was a white person. But can I ask you, Ben, um, with, we're talking about giving, like, fair, even Stevens kind of coverage. You're in Melbourne. You know, yeah. all of you are doing it really tough down there. Would you like mm-hmm. to see, though, because these girls have yet to... You know, they, they've tested positive. They've yet to create a massive cluster and all that. And, you know, God willing that they won't do that. But the hotel situation, the security guards, the way that was handled, they did create what you are now in or they were part of the creation. Do you want to see them named, named and shamed? Because if they were, mm. you get something back from the fact of everything that you have to give up now for the next six weeks? Yeah, I don't know whether or not I want to say that just because I feel like we need to make things even. Like, I think... It is actually really good that we haven't named and shamed those security guards for doing that. I mean, I don't Why? want to take away from the fact that they were guilty, but, I mean, I think that, you know, it would be real, they would be in grave danger had that information had come out. Like, if people knew those people, you know, it's just putting people in harm's way. I mean, I know that they're guilty. But these girls, but these girls are now in harm's way, though. That's all. It, like, they're now... Yeah. But you could well, say I that about any the... story. Hang on a second. That LMP um, guy that was in that Media Watch clip said, you don't know if they're going to be hit or anything. You could say that about any story in the paper or online. You don't know how anyone's going to react to anything. So the moment you break a story, you could say you're putting people's lives at risk. You know, like, uh, how does that wash? Mm. You'd never print news again. 
No, I get that. But I'm just saying that can you imagine if the people that were responsible for the hotel quarantine outbreaks, can you imagine if those people's names were leaked and what would have happened to them? I mean, all of Australia would want them dead. Is that, well, no, Australia right. would want retribution and punishment based on the law. And, you know, <laughs> I just think we are in a pandemic and people are so far up their asses that they keep doing the wrong thing. And now that all bets are off. You do the wrong thing. $40,000, your name is put out there. No more protecting these people. We are killing people. People are dying. And you do not deserve protection if you are lying and doing the wrong thing. Pure and simple, man. I think that the I think the fines are right. I think that you know definitely we need to be fining these people, you know, up and above forty thousand dollars. I don't think that's necessarily the problem. I'm just making. I was making a point originally, saying that the reason why this story has sung as much as it has is because it has all of the elements. The media have made it sing, and also the public have chewed it up because of what it is. Yeah. You know, and okay. I and I think that means mm. the responsibility falls down left, right, and centre when it comes down to the fallout. However, when it comes to the security guards that were having sex with those people in the hotel quarantine, which are responsible for the leaks in Victoria, I do think, I wonder what the situation would be like had their names been out there, wrong or right. Mm. Uh, well, just one major piece of information that I want to go back to in all of our COVID-19 chat is that yesterday uh, someone on social media suggested we, the male version of Karen be Tim after the... Uh, Tim the Tosser, the MP, the Liberal MP, Tim that. Smith. Um, <laughs> so you may have noticed in my intro back then when I was introducing the police commissioner in Victoria, I said the Tims and Karens of the world. So yeah, I noticed. I like it. <laughs> we, I noticed. we are making it a thing. And I'm so sorry, off the top of my head, I don't remember who said it, but we're absolutely making it a thing. So go forth, Ben, Rob and Robo viewers, and say Tim and Karens of the world. So uh, I like let's it. get this happening. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Now, look, the man who successfully lobbied the cheesemakers to dump the name Coon now has his eyes set on milk. Indigenous rights activist Dr Stephen Huggan successfully got the name scrapped because of its racial connotations, something he believes that Paul's branded milk, Smarter White, also shares. He says that Aboriginal people are saying that there's an inference that it's for smart white people, not for smart black people. Robbo, what do you think? Uh, look, again, I'm not in. I'm not part of this minority community, so we'll say that right now, as we always do. We're just, you know, thinking about our own beliefs and opinions, and and also, you know, being educated. Uh, with that said, uh, I think there are far more important, um, uh, you know, important battles that need to be fought when it comes to Indigenous rights in this country. Uh, look, coon cheese, I can understand. Okay, yeah, look, I, I, I said last time that I didn't think it should be changed. But, you know, look, if it doesn't affect the majority, the cheese will still taste the same, then, you know, if for those people it is offensive too, then that's fine. Change the name. It doesn't really matter. As long as the cheese keeps up the quality and the taste and what people like, tickety-boo. Um, however, milk is white. 
and that is the very basis of it. I think that this muddies the waters. We've got a commercial when it was first launched in 2002. Uh, let's have a look at that now. A bottle of milk, thanks. Low fat, no fat, full cream, high calcium, high protein soy, light skim, omega-3, high calcium with vitamin D and folate or extra dollop. Uh, uh, I just want milk that tastes like real milk. This tastes like full cream milk. And only 2% fat. Call smarter white milk. Smart choice. I really don't think that there is any kind of inference that it's only for smart white people. It literally is a gimmick. Of course What? It, this is uh, just the yes. biggest load of crock. I'm going <laughs> to yes. get into the fetal position in a moment. Yes, yes. This, but, but yes, but d- d- sorry. You know what? It's, it's, What's also racist? Oh. White goods. They're completely racist. We can't use that term anymore. Come on, people. Yeah, I, I think that this, even uh, the um, Indigenous um, LNP member in the Northern Territory said that this was ridiculous, um, that, you know, there are, like I mentioned before, which I agree with her, that there are bigger uh, bigger fights to be had. Uh, this, Rob, you've made this point before on the show, actually, is it is where you've got to handle these things sensitively. Now, is that the right or wrong way? Probably the wrong way, right? But that's just the way the world is. Um, when you put off the majority, and this is such a contentious issue in this country and has been since white people got here, um, you need to pick the battles, I think, which is really awful for me to say. Now, for, for example, I don't like the word poof. I hate it. But I'm not about to go into, you know, Harvey Norman's and furniture shops and demand that the, the you know, the foot poof or whatever it is be changed the name. I don't like it. <laughs> you don't put like putting that's... your legs up on a poof. No, let's have the jokes in a minute. This oh, is important. No. <laughs> Sorry. But that's, I find that offensive. Bit. I hate oh. that word. But However, I understand that that's the name of something. Even more so, milk is white. It's a, it's a PR thing. I... I, I'm all for Indigenous rights. I really, really am. The coon cheese, again, I'll repeat myself. I get it. Change it. But milk is white. They're not saying that people who are white are smarter than black people. It's just a gimmick. I'll finish. Do you know, do you know what I like, Ben, about the um, Black Lives Matter protests that are happening and uh, in, in this country? It's especially the Sydney ones. They're actually run by smart, intelligent people who understand the issues and aren't getting sidetracked with this crap. And, you know, when um, that gentleman, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, goes on television, he actually makes you think and question, uh, you know, whether the protest should go ahead. You know, he's obviously for them and he makes a lot of sense about what he's doing. But this kind of crap gets mainstream Australia (laughs) offside and stops people from getting on board. Nobody cares if it's called smart white. You know, as you said, Robert, are we going to change white milk? Are we going to stop using white goods? You know, like, I feel like this is kryptonite to Superman with me at the moment. I'm losing my will to live because if this is what we're coming down to, let's deal, protest the fact that kids are being, Aboriginal kids and Indigenous kids are being locked up in jail at 10 years old. We've done a Huge feature story. Go and have a look at that interview. These are the issues we need to worry about. I could not give a shit if white smart milk is called white smart milk. I tell you something, then I shouldn't be drinking it because I'm not a smart man. So I'll avoid Paul's white smart because maybe they're only tailoring. Let's go, but that doesn't mean let let them introduce black 
black smart milk. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Who wants it, black it does, milk? I don't know. It's just... It does nothing to the cause. I really... It just... I agree with you. It does nothing for the greater cause. And in Australia, pick the battles. It does... This does nothing. I, it just doesn't. Well, I guess the people do have to sort of work out, you know, logically whether or not something makes sense. And I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Although I will go back to one of the points made earlier. And my white, go my white goods are racist because my washing machine is to colours. And I'm trying to maintain all the colours in my clothing and they keep coming out kind of beige. So I'm like, maybe the white goods are racist. All like, right. Maybe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, look, if you've All ever right. spent any time online, you'll probably be familiar with the trolls and online abuse. But there are con calls, uh, continued calls, in fact, to ban anonymous Twitter accounts. The vast majority of online abuse is made by people who hide behind faceless profiles and they can cause a lot of damage. ABC's Lee Sales recently compiled just a fraction of the abuse that she receives on a daily basis. Lee Sales is a lefty piece of shit. Remember how she behaved like a cavorting whore when she interviewed that dumb c Malcolm Turnbull? She is in desperate need of a vibrator. Sales is regularly targeted by misogynistic trolls. When she tweeted two years ago that Malcolm Turnbull would be her guest, one responded, get your knee guards out. And if that's too cryptic for you, this should clear it up. Sales virtually goes down on her knees to give any lib an on-camera blowjob. But as every female journalist knows, Sales is not alone in suffering foul abuse. Last Sunday, News Corp political editor Annika Smethurst appeared on Insiders and was hit with tweets like this. Who gives a f what this cow thinks? And back in 2018, another twit told her... I could call you a c or a slut or any number of other abusive terms which would only barely describe what a hopeless, despicable person you are. And mostly it is personal and sexual. When it was revealed Sunrise would be sued for an ill-judged interview on the stolen generation, Instagram trolls sent host Samantha Armitage vile messages like these. Racist piece of shit, dirty white fat fuck slut. Go lose some weight, you tubby dog. You fat slob. You're actually disgusting. You deserve to die, Samantha. And I hope you do end up killing yourself before your foul, disgusting, uneducated mouth gets shut permanently forever. Wow. Um, Media Watch getting a good run on the Ben Robin Robbo show today. But look there. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sleeping with that man? <laughs> uh, look, I, I sometimes feel the ABC needs a bit of a leg up from us, so, uh, you know, a, a helping hand from our massive internet show. But, look, there are uh, also arguments on the other side. For some, like those suffering domestic violence or young LGBTQI people, and anonymity is important and powerful, giving those a much-needed voice. It's certainly a tough one. Uh, I've got to say, Ben, uh, I'll hear what you have to say first, but do you think anonymous profiles should be banned? Yes, I really do. And I think that there's more bad happening from anonymous profiles than good. You know, yeah. like people are so willing to hide behind their keyboards as we know them as keyboard warriors. And the thing is, it is a toxic culture which started from, you know, the, the term troll was a term that was created um, and not because of the trolls that live underneath a bridge, but uh, it became this thing where you would actually attack someone for sport and that was a way of being accepted into a group of other trolls. So, I mean, the origins of the term troll are essentially bad. 
And now what we are seeing is that most trolls have a picture of, say, a flying eagle or, you know, not their face. People need to, if they want to be on social media, be accountable for who they are and what they look like. And I think that it's just a cowardice move. And I think if we were to make people accountable for what they look like and who they are, I think that the toxicity that's on social media would decrease. I couldn't agree more. Robert, the thing I always find hilarious is when a John 3876542 underscore 287 says to me, um, we'll have a go at my morals or the way I am as a person and judge me when I'm out there. Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter, you can find me pretty easily. I, If I have something to say, I say it with my name. The people who are likely to attack are not quite so... Um, well, they're cowards, really, is all I can say. They they won't come yeah. out and say what they want to say using their real name. They are piss-weak, spineless cowards, assholes who hide behind a, uh, you know, this kind of brick wall where they don't uh, give any of their information. Now, un uh, couple of things here. You have said, and, and Ben, you've said on the show before as well, that you've been uh, the victims of, you know, online abuse because your name has been out there. But mm. I've actually had people who have created um, profiles uh, to then troll me publicly uh, for things that happened in the Studio 10 office. Now, that, that's a whole different kind of level because I wasn't saying something. I wasn't doing anything um, publicly that would warrant that. But that's the kind of people we're dealing with. This is the thing. So Twitter, that, that means that it, you're, you're saying it's someone from or that works within that building? Well, it would have been because I only knew things that I was saying in the office. That you know, uh, but it, No, actually, it could also be Chinese whispers that move forward. Anyway... It can happen to anyone. It's not just something that happens when you put something publicly. It can happen, you know, at any point. Twitter is a company that is worth $3.46 billion. Now, what I'm going to say is this. Hire some staff, and when, when things are reported, when profiles are reported with no photo, then they are banned. Uh, if they are not doing offensive trolling tweets, if they are just someone who is a domestic violence victim, uh, if it's LGBTQI plus people that just want to, you know, kind of tentatively open about open up about their sexuality, that's fine. You're not going to target them. But Twitter needs to do more. Twitter is the gutter of the internet, and they need to do more. Banning anonymous profiles when they do shitty things. It's as simple as that. If you're worth $3.46 then protect the people that you're making money off. It's not just Twitter, mate. It's, it's Facebook as well. These are very that powerful companies. That doesn't... Um, right, yes, OK, so... F no, 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 all no, social I, media Robo, I'm just making... Oh, Robo, don't get upset, I'm on your side. I'm just saying, let's make bring all, make all these social media companies that are making a lot yes. of money, they have to yes. take responsibility and be responsible citizens. There is way too much negativity and hurt going on on this social space, and Twitter is a big place of it because Facebook is predominantly friends and family, whereas Twitter mm. is just any old random a-hole who can come after you. So I, yeah. t I take your point well, entirely. Look, I think at the end yeah. of the day, what you're going to see is that bad behaviour can happen on all of these platforms. And whilst we move into the digital age further and further of people using these on a day-to-day -day basis and, you know, they're not going away anytime soon, I think all of these platforms need to be looked at. I mean, I can tell you that just recently I've had a really horrific situation on Facebook with somebody who's come after me with their name and their face. Like... 
who's going to who's going to police that? So what I'm trying to make a point of is that across all of these digital platforms, there needs to be some kind of policing and control so that we can protect people's safety. Yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, well, I ring the bell. Although I think, oh no, here it is. <laughs> We're all on the same page. I thought my daughter had stolen the bill. Um, look, uh, we are going to go and visit the Ticker Newsroom for the very latest headlines. Coming up, Sam Dastiari is going to talk about the big political issues of the day and cut through the BS and raise an interesting issue of whether we should be paying taxes to help those who are suffering from coronavirus. We'll also get the latest entertainment news from Ben and... The Ellen scandal just won't go away. Look at the smile on my face because this is getting deeper and deeper the more she tries to dig out. I love it. So anyway, I know. I didn't know I could do that. She really loves it. She she really loves it. Watch out, you. All right. But for now, let's go to the Ticker Newsroom. I'm Aaron Young, you're watching Ticker. These are today's top stories. The new stage four restrictions in Melbourne will see 250,000 workers stood down. The restrictions will close all professional service offices, most retail limit manufacturing for six weeks, and it comes as the Victorian Premier announces there have been 439 new cases of coronavirus overnight and 11 deaths. Also making an announcement today that in fact, people who are in self-isolation will not be allowed to leave the house, even if for exercise. New South Wales residents showing COVID-19 symptoms are sometimes waiting more than three days to self-isolate, according to new data from New South Wales Health, raising concerns among health officials at community attitudes to relax, which could lead to another spike. Donald Trump is ordering TikTok to sell its US arm by mid-September or close completely. Microsoft very interested in the US operations. It follows threats from the commander-in-chief to ban TikTok completely in the US. Here in Australia, some good news for startups. One of Australia's largest venture firms raising $500 million to invest. Blackbird Ventures, most notably known for being one of the first backers of graphic design startup Canva. And if you're waiting for a 5G phone to arrive from Apple, maybe take a look at Google unveiling its first 5G device. Available later on in the year, they've also lowered the price of non-5G devices. Have a look at the weather map for the remainder of today. Melbourne sunny and 11 degrees, double that in Sydney and sunshine too. Brisbane 24 degrees, Perth 17 and some cloud around for Adelaide. Take a look at the markets now. The ASX shot up straight at the open, over 2% and over 6,000 points. Obviously liking what it sees, waiting for the Reserve Bank numbers to come through at 2.30. Will they stay at 0.025% or drop it perhaps down to 1%? That would be an interesting point. Have a look what happened in the US. That's the Dow, which also shot up there under 1%, but the real story was the Nasdaq. All this great tech stock news, meaning numbers soaring, and it hit a record high close. I'm Aaron Young. This is Ticker. Thank you, Aaron. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Well, the economic impact of the Stage 4 lockdown in Melbourne is undeniable, but exactly how much will that how much that will be is yet to be determined. The previous estimation of $3.3 billion is outdated and with Victoria marking, making up a quarter of the national economy, the blow is expected to be huge. Sam Dastiari is here with us to cut through the political spin and chat to us more about this. Hello, Sam. Good to see Great you, sir. Great to be here. Great hey, to be here. Sam, the messaging from Prime Minister Scott Morrison is that we're all in this together. So that raises a question. Should the rest of Australia pitch in and pay a new tax to help Victorian workers during this time? 
Yeah, look, we say we're all in it together. The fact is that we're not. Uh, Victoria's obviously been harder hit than everywhere else in the country. Uh, and putting aside all the kind of you know, ridiculous kind of, at times, at the start, a bit more jovial banter about, oh, look at Victoria, they've stuffed up, everyone else is doing better. Um, look, I think there's a real issue here because you saw the announcement yesterday, 250,000 more people having to, to you know, step down and, and there's going to be longer-term economic consequences. Uh, look, what, what I said and I've been saying today and I've been saying for a few days now is that there is a solution. Uh, it's not pretty, it's not pleasant. You put a 1% levy on the entire country. So the next, you know, next year, there'll be a 1% levy for, for the virus that will only go to Victoria. That's in addition to all the other economic expenditure. But we've done things like this when it's come to floods. We've done things like this when it's come to natural disasters. Uh, when one part of the country is worse hit than others, if we're genuinely all in it together, we're going to have to foot the bill. But uh, Sam, I want to ask you a quick question here. This this always gets me really riled up, and that is massive corporations. We still seem we can't seem to work this out, and I don't know why. Apple and Google do not pay their fair share of tax in this bloody country. So is it not uh, unfair, especially in this time when we're all doing it tough? Victorians are doing it tougher, uh, where we actually bloody start making some leeway and taxing these bloody bastards who yeah. take billions of dollars, don't pay their tax. They should be like. Step up, Sam, your thoughts. Look, 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 that, that has been, they're two separate issues, right? Where I want to be a bit careful is when we turn around and say just, you know, do the big tech giants, that's a whole separate issue about how they're not paying tax. And just so kind of your, your listeners and viewers get a sense of it, the way they don't do it is that they really just, it's really about cost shifting and there's many ways of doing it. But a very simple way of doing it would be this. Let's say, I, let's say an iPad gets made for, 15 US dollars, right, in terms of everything that's in it. I would then sell it to my Singapore company for $88. Then Singapore sells it to Australia from $88 to, yeah, sorry, um, $888, and they sell it to Australia for 950 right? And then where has all the money been made? The money's all actually been made in Singapore, so I'm not really paying as much tax. I'm paying, you know, a, a 4 6 8% tax rate, depending on what deal I've done with the government, and I'm not paying tax in Australia. They're the kind of, that's, it's a bit more complicated than that these days. That's a simplistic look at how it's done. Uh, yeah, look, that is a serious problem, but the issue is this. Tackling that problem isn't the immediate issue. The immediate issue, and, and there's a whole bunch of WTO and world trade and international tax avoidance issues tied into all that. But if we're going to be realistic and fast about this, it's going to have to be something like a blanket 1% tax. And the bigger issue we hear is, is the rest of the country prepared to pay for Victoria to get special treatment? And I think they need to. Yeah, it's a hard one. <clears throat> it's a hard one, Sam, because a lot of people are doing it tough. So, you know, um, adding another tax to people on... on middle wages or lower wages. Look, it, it, it's not easy. Uh, I agree with you. It's not pleasant. Uh, it's realistic. And I think there's a lot of, well, it's the Victoria, it's their problem, it's this and that. The, the reality is this. I mean, today it's a virus in Victoria. Tomorrow it could be a flood in Queensland. It could be the virus as well. Uh, it could be a national disaster. It can be anything. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just it's put up or shut up. There's a lot of talk mm. around we're all in this together. And, uh, we're, yeah, we're a nation I, and I do see your point with that. Yeah, Ben? 
I was just going to say, what's something that we've seen before in history where money has been allocated to a state because of a particular situation? Because I'd also like to know, you know, we've had the bushfires at the start of the year, but then you've also had COVID-19 affect Victoria badly. You know, when it comes down to allocating which states need to be looked after, I mean, how are they supposed to deem which one is more, you know, in need of money than another? Yeah, look, they're not easy decisions to make. I mean, what you're referring to then with the disaster relief funds, as you can imagine, have naturally been focused very heavily on the eastern seaboard. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, it's about, oh, about six years ago now, there were those terrible floods up in Queensland and there was a whole bunch wow. of federal money that essentially went specifically to kind of, you know, I don't I like the term bailout, but for supporting them for their rebuild. I think it's about seven years now, uh, to, to, to be exact. Um, it happens a lot during uh, national disasters uh, where, you know, you essentially pick one part of the country and, and put your funds there. Uh, this is a bit different. Uh, where it's a bit different is in those situations, nowhere else in the country was really impacted. One part of the country got impacted. Mm. Here the difference is everywhere is impacted. It's just that Victoria has been impacted a lot worse. And there's a separate debate about who's to blame and whether it was the government and you know what happened in hotel quarantine. And we've talked about that all on this show before. But that doesn't really change the fact that if I'm one of the 250,000 people who just yesterday got the bad news, or if I'm a Victorian family who's really, really struggling with Victorian business, should we specifically bail them out or not and I'm saying we should but, but again these aren't easy calls because government can do this thing that's really pretty and easy where they just talk about the money uh, mm. but if we're going to be honest we also have to talk about where it's coming from so, Sam, is this a question, and I'm not, like, leading you down here, but is this a question of leadership federally, where if... Does Scott Morrison and does the federal government need to do more about uniting the country and saying Victoria is not a separate country here? Victoria is part of our country. They contribute greatly to the national economy. Where should it come from, this way of uniting... Yeah, it has saying to. We should do the 1%. It, 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 it has to come from the federal government. It's the only place it can come from. Uh, and, and also, too, it's got to be a little bit honest. Like, we're, a lot of these things, we we tend to be a bit dishonest as well. So when we do these bailout packages and, you know, talk about JobKeeper and these things, there's always a little bit of talk about, oh, yeah, we're going to have to pay for it later and this and that. I actually think the Australian public would be a lot more supportive of some of these measures over time if they, if yeah. we were just frank with them and said, look, okay, uh, Victoria's, you know, in a serious situation at the moment. Uh, their workforce is going to need a proper ballot. Just to give you a sense of the figures, um, a 1%, this is a very, very rough figures. So you're looking at about $1.5 billion dollars. It'd be one and a half billion dollar job creation fund. That's what you're looking at here. Uh, uh, it's not it's not small, but it's not you know the, the biggest thing ever. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, you know to go to those kinds of programs to say how do you restart an economy at the end of this? Because you don't want to be in a situation where one of your major cities is going to have an unemployment rate maybe two three percent higher than the the other kind of comparative cities. We um, just cannot let Melbourne die. Sam, um, I want to move on for a moment and talk to you about the politics of the pandemic and especially yep. uh, uh, a favourite of ours here, Tim Smith, the Victorian MP. <laughs> he, <clears throat> I want to play you a clip of what he said yesterday on Sydney's Ben Fordham show. Daniel Andrews has declared a disaster because it is a disaster caused by him and his ministers. I mean, let's just be frank. These ministers and Daniel Andrews have blood on their hands. They have so monumentally failed the people of Victoria. People are dying. People are dying because of their total and utter criminal negligence with regards to hotel quarantine and then their inability to perform basic uh, contact tracing. 
over the last couple of weeks. Sam, talk to me about that. Um... Uh, here's what's happened, right? Tim Smith suddenly got national media that he's never gotten before. He's gotten very excited by it and he's got carried away. Now, someone who's pursued a headline like you wouldn't believe, uh, there used to be a saying the most dangerous place in Australian politics is be between Sam Dastyari and a microphone. Um, <laughs> As someone who's, uh, uh, I'm talking to three kind of media junkies here themselves, uh, who yeah. three of you have, have not been shy of headline. Uh, at one point, there'll be a Daily Mail article that'll get published that doesn't include a quote from Rob McKnight. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't uh, have a go at my uh, friends at the Daily Mail. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm having a go at you quite clearly. <laughs> um, uh, but no, but, but, but this is what's happened. You pursue a headline, you start getting attention, uh, and then to keep that kind of the adrenaline hit that, that comes from it, it's always about you've got to go one step further, one step further, one step further. And, look, the game Tim's playing, which is a smart game for him, has been, I will get as much media as I can for anything I can. Hopefully at the end of it people will just remember me as a name. They won't remember the specifics and I will knock off So you don't think they'll remember him as a dick? Like, uh, I, I no, no, no. I think he's <laughs> gone too far. I'm saying the strategy was, right, yeah, be right. a bit of an attack dog, yeah. be a bit out there, build a bit of a name for yourself. You can always repair a little bit later. It will be easier. What's happened now is he's gotten carried away. He's gone too far. During and a pandemic. Some of these quotes, the, the rhetoric's going to hurt him, right? I mean, he's yeah. been very smart up to date. I mean, up to now, and again, I'm not a fan of his, I'm not a fan of his politics. Where I think he was clever was was in a opposition down in Victoria, while the government in Victoria has obviously been struggling, that's been on its knees. He's the only one to make a name for himself. Like, that Michael O'Brien, who's the leader of the Victorian Liberal Party, mate, you couldn't... I reckon... No one else knows him, yeah. That, well, they wouldn't even pick but him in the lineup. I'm not too sure what he looks like, right? Yeah. And, and but look, Sam, down the line... You know, yep. Sam, down the line, what I will say, though, is that this culture of being sort of outrageous on Twitter just to be able to be heard, you know, has been rewarded. It's been rewarded by Has. people following these Has. types of people. It's been, I know, but let me say this, and I think it's very clear that when the country goes through something like COVID-19, this man just seems really out of place right now. Like, it's like, are you, are you joking right now with coming okay. out and saying some of this stuff? Okay. Well, well, here is the unfortunate disconnect, and our political system can't rectify these two problems. The one is to become leader, you need your base, and to become prime minister or premier, you need the public. They're actually two very separate constituencies. Yep. Yep. So the more outrageous you are, the more angry you are, the more pissed off you are, the more incendiary things you say on Twitter or whatever, your base will respond to that. They'll defend you, they'll fight for you. And so something like the Liberal Party base, anything he says about Dan Andrews, uh, I think we're probably getting... Po I, I bet after he said that, he would have got all these text messages from senior people within his party saying, who, who, you know, despise Dan Andrews. Um, uh, would, would have kind of said all these things kind of back to him. I suspect he would have got all that. The problem, and you're completely right about this, Ben, and this is this political culture that got created, but for me to win support within my political party, I can be as left-wing as possible, uh, tax and spend, all the kind of things the Conservatives are going to say, uh, accuse them of everything. But where you're right is there is definitely a disconnect between that and the actual public.
But Sam, at the end of the day, one thing that you've forgotten to mention, and that is authenticity, and that is that there have been people in the past that have said outrageous things on social media, but as long as they are authentically spoken, then it may have some cut through. Now, what I can see from this guy, Tim, is he is genuinely just looking for some outrageous behaviour. Yes. And forgive me for saying, you know, because you're a politician, but also a reality TV star, you'll understand this. <laughs> but in reality TV shows, you need to be able to get the support of the people inside the show as well as the people on the outside. That's what it is. And how do you walk a yeah. fine this line? This is why you like won your reality TV show and I was one of the first people out of the jungle. I, I agree. <laughs> well, you, if, you, if you ever go back in time, back to the future style, come and ask me some questions. I'll help you out. Okay. But what I will say is that... And when I won Big Brother, I said this, you could be a good person or you could be a bad person, but as long as you're authentic with your emotions, people will still like you. You know, and I was not necessarily the greatest in my competition. You know, I definitely didn't do the best thing for by everybody. But I think that's the thing with Tim and a lot of these politicians at the moment is they're trying to make a name out of themselves by being something they're not. You know, they're yeah, just no, trying to right. be outrageous. And, and, and what I'm saying is I think the reasoning is the, the, the short-term reward structure and the long-term strategic play are uh, disconnected from each other. And people like Tim, you're completely right, get caught out by it. Um, you know, that's why, you know, as much as, you know, everyone has their views on Trump, most of them aren't kind of pleasant or positive, there's something definitely genuine about everything uh, that he's done and said. Uh, again, I don't agree with it. In fact, it horrifies me more that it's not fake that he really believes it. Um, but, 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 but you're completely right about that. And But... But while people out there will cry and scream and say, rightly, we want authentic politics, we want authenticity in our Australian politics, unfortunately, the reality is the political system isn't built to deliver it and the internal rewards within the political system aren't geared towards delivery. It's fascinating, Sam. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, we were talking about the fact a little earlier that uh, we have our viewers who have given the male equivalent to the Karens of the world are the Tims of the world, and that's purely based <laughs> on Tim Smith. So he's made, he's certainly made a name yeah. for himself, but I think this is well, one well, of those situations well, look, where it won't translate. He, well, authenticity is important, and he, I think he's being very authentic by being a bit of a knob. He's just a <laughs> dickhead. Um, anyway... <laughs> You know, Sam, thank you very much. I love our Tuesday thank chats. So we'll see you, next, see you week. next week. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. We want to get a hit of entertainment now. And who do we go for to for entertainment? Betty Boy. <laughs> and Ben, will it be curtains for Ellen? And who is jumping into her defence? Well, Rob, you know, it would seem after a few reports that Ellen DeGeneres wants to quit her show now because she feels betrayed by, you know, these massive leaks that have come out of what has been named as a tox toxic workplace. Now her wife, Portia de Rossi, has come to her defence, which, you know, I would say is really delayed because at the end of the day, I was expecting that Portia would have come out a little bit sooner. But look, yesterday afternoon, Portia took to Instagram and posted in a bold baby blue iconic saying... I stand by Ellen. Now, the graphic was quite simple, but then the hashtags that were following were also quite supportive. Hashtag I stand with Ellen DeGeneres. Hashtag I stand by Ellen. Uh, all of these hashtags that were all there were pretty much summarising the same thing. I would have expected that Portia may have come out with something a little bit stronger than this, but uh, it would seem that Ellen's now thinking it's a good idea to quit rather than be fired. Well, interestingly, Ben... The stars have not come out to support her. In fact, 
the only stars coming out are the ones to say she's a nightmare behind the scenes. Up here in Brisbane, we had Neil Breen, who was the... He does the breakfast show up here on 4BC. He was the old executive producer of the Today Show and talked about the fact... When he sat down to do a sit-down interview, Richard Wilkins was interviewing Ellen, he was told he could not converse with her, he could not look her in the eye. You know, like, that's not the hallmarks of a nice person. And the fact is, all these celebrity friends that appear on her show, none of them are standing up and saying, no, 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 Ellen's lovely. It's quiet. Well, I'm going to call... I'm going to call bullshit on that because I actually met Ellen DeGeneres about five minutes after that interview has taken place and she came straight up to me and had a conversation. I'm an absolute nobody. I spoke to her for five minutes. She was so lovely. She looked me in the eye. She had no minders trying no, to push me away. No, I'm not saying Richard Wilkins. I'm people... saying Richard Wilkins' producer, who was the executive producer, why would he have to lie about that? That's not bullshit. That because was people his love experience. To jump on it. No, people love People love nah. to jump on this I know, stuff I know Neil Breen, no, no, and I'm, I'm not going to accept that he's lying about this. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm just going to say one thing quickly. Ben, you were, you were on camera. Uh, you were... So automatically, people like Ellen will go, oh, well, he's worthy of being spoken to. But when there's a producer, or even if it's the EP of the show, it doesn't matter... Um, they're ignored because they're not up on that level. So once... Mm. The moment that you're not in front of a camera, you lose... But I was in a... But you know what? I was not in front of a camera. I was at a cocktail party in a hotel room. So, Different situation. I you know, you like were the, they, there were rules Wait, set down for these interviews. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, a mess. Look, I, I thought you were interviewing her, that's it's, all. It's very easy for people to jump on. Look, I'm going to come to Ellen's defence, and I, what I will say when I come to her defence on this is, you know, I'm sure that she has turned a blind eye to some bad behaviour and some toxic behaviour happening in her environment, and I think she probably, over time, you know, has tired of doing this show and maybe she should have pulled out, you know, before all of this happened. But we can't all be good people 24 hours a day. And I will say other people love no, to yes, jump you, on wait, stuff wait, wait, like that. You, wait, wait. Yes, you can, but you can't treat people like shit. You can't be racist. These are all of the allegations. You can't be dismissive. No, she's not and, being accused uh, of being racist. Her team members no. are, the, the oh, executive but producers. I'm talking about the but general she, idea. She, but I'm she's say- basically a bitch, Ben. Why you know, are you like, You were in a cocktail party. Party where she was putting on the charm and she was interacting know, with people. She was working the why room. Why are you both? Why are you both frothing over this? I don't understand why you're frothing over Ellen's downfall. Like it sounds to me like you both are rubbing your hands together and wanting to no. celebrate. No, I don't know life. what you why? mean, Ben. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Can, no, can, no. I, can I quickly say I, it's not about that at all. It's about the fact that if you've got this on-air persona, so all of these things go against her. If you've got this on-air persona of being kind and lovely and wonderful, that's fine. If you're the head of the production company who makes it, uh, if you're the big boss, if everything has to go through you, then you need to be held accountable for what's happening below you. I don't believe that if these allegations are true that Ellen knew nothing about them. There is reports today where she apparently giggled when the EP was screaming at a crew member and she kind of had a little giggle. That's not a nice person. And if anyone took complaints, they knew they'd be fired. And, and yeah, well, the production look, crew are not allowed to talk to her. And let me tell you, on any show, it is unbelievable that the star of the show doesn't talk to the produ- production crew. Oprah! Oprah yeah, that's right. Talk to her yeah. production crew. She knew all their names. Ellen comes in. Apparently, no one's allowed to look her in the eye. That story keeps coming out, Ben, and yeah, they don't I've allow it. Australian entertainment. I've worked with Australian entertainers who are lovely people and are very well celebrated and also have had in their contract that they don't want to interact with production. Well, or that's not even that, the that's cast not nice. That's not a nice person. Okay. In my well, book, I just don't. I just no think way. that they're. 
Seems to be a lot of people wanting to jump on this and celebrate Ellen's downfall without actually witnessing anything for yourself. A bit of he said, she said, and it's all now... Hey, but it's that, not but, he said, she but, said. But there are a, a lot guy of people came on Twitter and it. said, I will donate money for every every bit of goss I get about uh, Ellen, you know, in negative, because he had a bad experience, and he had to stop it because he couldn't afford to pay the charity what was coming through. And it was all these stories about okay, can what I just a bitch she is. Can I just say this? Okay, can I just say... I know that you're all talking and, and reacting to the lynch mob coming after Ellen at the moment, but I'm just choosing a different opinion. You know, that's all I want to say about it. But these. your opinions because aren't you based in clearly... facts. You're not no. listening. There is overwhelming evidence. What do you mean narrative. my opinions aren't made in fact? Because what, what are you there is overwhelming because evidence. This person, there I've is seen a... her being a really lovely person. Yes, in I one haven't actually been... in one situation where she was working the room to as part of her Australian tour. What you're not talking about is the fact that Employee after employee after employee after celebrity. Brad Garrett, who starred yeah. in Everybody Loves Raymond, came on and talked about his experience about working with Ellen and said she is nasty. You know, like, she, she's not a nice person. And the fact is, they're the facts you're ignoring. There is overwhelming evidence. You know, if it's one or two cases, you think, yeah, she had a bad moment. This is not This is not one or two cases. This is a stream of consciousness that is flowing out about this that just leads to all roads. Ellen's not a nice person. She is the antithesis of what she projects. But why are you so excited about her downfall? I'm not excited about her downstall. I just love a good entertainment story. Yes, you Doesn't mean I'm not allowed not to talk about it. Do you know, a little bit earlier, you were like, yes, I can't wait to talk about this. You know, <laughs> yes, because I love the story. I love the story because people in Hollywood have so much power and it's just interesting to see the way this is unravelling and, you know, she's held a grip for 10 years and she's been an amazing performer and there's a glow about Ellen. But the simple fact is that something has twisted and she's treated so many people so badly over the years, the house of cards is coming down and that's why I'm like, can't wait for it. You know, like, this isn't a gripping story to me. It's the entertainment story of the year. Yeah, well, I will just say this to you. I think she's in a world of pain. I think whoever has been upset working her on the show is in, has been in pain. Of their own doing. No, I don't think someone... One person is not responsible for this. It's just not true. But we she is responsible for the actions. Amanda's <laughs> giving you the wide up. We're not getting to any more entertainment. We're, we're wrapping up the show anyway. But, um, uh, Ben, she is responsible for her I'm actions really, and the culture she okay. cultivated within her show. I'm okay, really sorry that, we didn't get I... to feedback today. I am really sorry we didn't get to hear it as well because I'm sure lots of people will understand where I'm coming from and that is that I am not the judge and jury. I don't have all the facts with Ellen. I believe a lot of people have been hurt in the process of this but I will not create her into one standing villain. There's no one Darth Vader in, re in the real life. I don't believe that. No, that's not to say she can't be a nice person. Look, we are over. How did we do 10 minutes on Ellen? We've got to go. That's the end of the Ben Robin Robo show. Can we talk today. about Ellen once it's finished? We, we'll keep going. Yeah. Okay, All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching, everybody. Bye, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.